right, welcome everyone to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Cornavani, and I'm joined this week as always by my co-host Brian Wells. This week's episode, we'll be reacting to NFL Week 14. Steelers playoff hopes are effectively over following a home loss to the Baltimore Ravens, while the Patriots got a much-needed win for their playoff chances on Monday night over the Cardinals. We'll talk about the fallout of those two results and much more from this past Sunday. A couple teams in the NFC looking like they could maybe be surprise playoff contenders. We'll talk about who's more likely to steal a playoff berth. We'll also go over the big showdown on Sunday Night Football between 2020 NFL draft pick quarterbacks Justin Herbert to Otagavailoa. One of them looking much better than the other. And we'll discuss whether we believe the Titans actually might miss out on the playoffs in the AFC South following their home loss, an ugly one, to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Finally, from there, we will end this episode by counting down our top five favorite Christmas movie characters. Get us ready for the upcoming holiday with Christmas less than two weeks away. So with that, let's get started. So when the U.S. got eliminated from the World Cup, I thought, ah, I'm not going to watch any more of these games because I'm not a huge soccer fan and I don't care when it comes down to it. But I ended up watching pretty much every single game from the quarterfinals this weekend. And I think it just made me realize that, you know, soccer in a knockout style tournament is actually pretty entertaining, uh, especially when you have games coming down to the wire and going to penalty kicks. Yeah, I was. I'm kind of in the same boat. I'll admit, I I still don't really care about soccer, even though, like you said, the quarterfinals actually did have some pretty entertaining games. And when I say games, I mean like second halves, because I don't. Yeah, I mean the very end of the whole thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I did tune in to the end ending of a lot of the games, like Argentina Netherlands. I tuned into the end of that game. It was two nothing Argentina. Thinking, all right, they got this one sealed. And then all of a sudden, Netherlands scored, and then they scored again in the just a crazy, final minute of extra crazy goal. Of, uh, yeah, of like extra the added time. time. Yeah, the injury, the added time, right? Uh huh. Right, stoppage time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and then both both those games on Friday between Argentina Netherlands, but the first one being Croatia Brazil. Yeah, both of them had exciting penalty kicks at the end. And yeah, I, I'll admit I didn't really I didn't watch. As much of the other two games in the quarterfinals, they weren't as exciting. Uh, no, the, I mean, they, the they didn't have the same were... crazy finish. Yeah, Friday, I, right. I was like very much glued in for that Croatia-Brazil uh, PK. And then, yeah, I was watching the end of the Argentina-Netherlands. And I, I'm a big Messi fan, so definitely pulling for Argentina. Yeah, it I'm... was cool to see Netherlands score like that, but I'm glad that Argentina pulled that one out in the end. Yeah, as a total pink hat, casual like Barcelona guy. I, I I do like Messi and 
I don't like Ronaldo, and yeah. I'm happy with uh, the results so far. <laughs> Although yeah, it would have been interesting in... to have uh, it would have been interesting to have Messi and Ronaldo meet in the finals, even though Ronaldo is was barely playing for them. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that I fully understand what's happening with Ronaldo. It seems like every he's age? just making enemies with every team he's on. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like it's a factor, but I don't know. I thought he was still kind of playing well, and they ended up benching him for that Switzerland game, and his replacement went crazy, and they won six to one, and then he came on in the second half. But Morocco just like they're kind of this crazy story of the tournament with them. Yeah, first they're the, they're the Saint Peter's the peacocks of uh, yeah, you're right, the World Cup. It's a good good comparison there. Just a yeah, crazy out of nowhere run for them. And uh I mean we'll see. What I was wondering if Croatia again. was in the same boat or not, but then I realized I think they they made it to the, the they, finals. In Croatia made it to the finals in yeah. 2018, right? Versus uh-huh. France coincidentally. Yeah, so we like, almost okay, so had a chance so they're, for a So they're or... actually legit good. Yeah. But Morocco yeah. is the complete like complete wild card. Of the yeah. Four, oh, or yeah. Three very much, very much unexpected. Yeah. I mean, Croatia making it as far as they did, not a huge surprise. Definitely an upset being Brazil. I mean, they were the team that everyone said was the favorites right. in the I, tournament. Brazil so. was the favorite. Yeah, but then Argentina. You know, Messi was awesome today, and they're uh, they're in the final. So I'll definitely be pulling for them, no matter who they play. I'm guessing that Morocco's luck, Morocco's luck is going to run out against France, but. I don't know. I mean, France has made it further than I expected with all the injuries they dealt with. And I remember Ben and I were talking about the the World Cup curse, uh, really the champions curse, because the reigning champs hadn't made it out of the like group stage in two decades now. But France is wow. one win away from being in the finals once again, chance to be uh, back-to-back winners. So. Definitely, when was the last uh, time we had back-to-back winners? See, I, I don't even know the answer to that. Like, I I think it's been a long while. I I should have looked it up. Sorry to put to, you on the spot. I, I just I was just wondering if you knew or not. No, I I don't know off the top of my head. It hasn't happened in a, in our lifetime. I know that for a fact. So it's it's been a while. But we'll see if there's a a chance that happens. I think it'd be really cool for Messi to to go out as a World Cup champ. You know, I, I still hope he continues his career um, as a club player, but his international career is definitely done after this. So his last time playing for Argentina, like long awaited World Cup champion would be really cool. So uh, I guess, you know, we'll probably talk about the championship and the fallout next week, but for now let's talk about the other kind of football, American football, NFL, Week 14 in the books, just four games remaining on the season, and we're starting to get a even clearer idea of the NFL playoff picture. A lot of action to talk about this week, uh, but let's get started by talking about our teams, and we'll start with the Sunday action, and you know, it was fun for about a week pretending like the Steelers had a shot to to make the playoffs this year, but it feels two pretty much all said and done. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it got a couple wins there. I think once they got to five and seven, I started to really believe, but I guess, look, they had to go seven and oh, effectively went out to be able to make the playoffs. So if they're not going to get in, it's might as well just have them lose early and have a, a few stress-free Sundays in the year. Yeah, I know. I know Baltimore is certainly the better team compared to Pittsburgh, but they already don't have Lamar. And then Tyler Huntley gets injured and they have to put in Anthony Brown, the third string quarterback. 
And if, if you're if you're only giving up sixty points, but you're still losing, then yeah, it looks like it's they're going nowhere. And then Kenny, yeah, like you said, Kenny Pickett gets hurt. Mitch Trubisky comes in, throws three interceptions. Not great. Um, no, yeah, no. So it looks all. like it's over for Pittsburgh now. Yeah, no, we retreated the full Kenny or Mitch Trubisky experience. At one point, I think he was he started seventeen for 20, 21, 17 completions to Steelers, three completions to Ravens, and then the one incompletion was a drop by emergency quarterback, backup tight end Zach Gentry. So he throughout the season, like there are times like when he's been out there where he's looked solid. He's looked like the kind of guy who can lead an offense. I don't know if he's necessarily looked like number two overall pick in the draft franchise changing quarterback. who was supposed to be in Chicago, but at least the kind of guy that the Steelers thought, Hey, maybe he can uh, keep this going until we, we find the next guy when they sign him back in March, but just some backbreaking interceptions and, you know, and on the one hand, it's like, all right, it's kind of nice that uh this season is over but it's also frustrating that it's because of the backup quarterback it's because Kenny Pickett got hurt and now there's questions of when we're going to see Pickett again because this is the second concussion of the season so now it's not only do the results not matter but nothing matters if Pickett isn't playing because it's all about his development and who who he can become as a starting quarterback in the NFL right because the Steelers they obviously don't have any Super Bowl aspirations in the, at the, in the present moment right now mm-hmm. and so the biggest thing is building towards the future especially having a rookie quarterback drafted in the first round and now you can't even see him on the field because like you said he has a second concussion already and th- this is probably too early to say but do you think there could be some sort of Josh Rosen kind of thing where if the Steelers drop or excuse me rise up farther enough in the draft they can look at a different quarterback or do you think they should stick with Kenny Pickett and I highly doubt that'll happen because I I think that Pickett has shown enough while he's played that he is a right like there there is a future there I mean Josh Rosen was terrible that rookie season with Arizona and they also had the number one overall pick number one head coach coming in so yeah I think there are a lot of factors and I I don't know what that was a true rebuild yeah yeah, of course. So, like, I don't know what to expect with the draft at this point. Uh, I mean, the, the Steelers still have a somewhat favorable schedule, obviously losing to the Ravens at home and you know, losing to their second string, eventually third string quarterback is not all that uh, promising when it comes to being able to win future games. But I think it, it depends on a lot of factors. But the Steelers have so many holes that they're much better off addressing the much better off addressing the rest of the roster than than looking for oh we gotta find the next quarterback exactly Uh, because i mean because kenny pickett i don't think he's been great but but he hasn't been terrible no i think he's been solid as a rookie i think there's a lot of factors that go into him maybe not being as amazing as possible and part of that is the offensive coordinator matt canada who like he continues to hold this job and i don't fully understand why and uh i mean even then like the offensive line has been better over as the season goes along but there are still some problems there early in the game the ravens blitz was just like Pickett was just forced to scramble leave the pocket right away and he got hurt because <laughs> the offensive line just didn't block i, I forget if it was patrick queen or roquan smith yeah it was queen yeah he or, just or, came oh, no, it might have been roquan i don't remember one which of one them. it was yeah but- yeah. And it wasn't like they picked up someone else. They didn't block anybody. It was James Daniels and Mason Cole. They just 
came right in like turnstile and it looked a lot like last year uh you know those shots of ben rossberger just lying on the ground because his offensive line wasn't protecting him and uh, yeah, I know I, that was a concern yeah, I, I was I like, watched, you don't want Pickett to get hurt. And it actually did end up happening here. I watched red zone, but uh, red zone changed it to that game in that moment when he got sacked. And I remember when he got up like, and he, he, it was definitely a headshot because whether it was queen or Smith, whoever it was, he kind of threw him to the ground. It wasn't a penalty, but he kind of threw him but, to the ground. Yeah. There was some it, debate whether it could have been a penalty, but right. And, and, Pickett was definitely slow to get up, and I'm thinking, yeah, he. I think he's going to be done for the day with a concussion. And, yeah, yeah, I know and, he. And you know how the NFL is taking concussions even more seriously well, now this year with everything that happened with Tua and others. Yeah, they are, but at the same time, I feel like it's it's lax at this point because Pickett came out for another series and <laughs> he went in and was cleared, and then they they changed their mind. I don't understand how that is possible because I had the same thought. It's just aren't the concussion protocols supposed to be? more strict following what happened earlier in the year and uh somehow Pickett was thrown back out there and I don't know if things got worse it didn't seem like he took any more hits or anything that would have caused any more changes so uh really surprised me how that unfolded but yeah I mean ultimately when when you're uh a quarterback gets looking like that it's not surprising that they're going to be pulling him from the game eventually so so for the future of the Steelers it's you still want to stick with Pickett, but you got to find a new OC. Yes, and then he's got some pretty good weapons around him with with Pickens and Deontay. I think I think Deontay's had a down year. Compared he's to been the past awful years. this year. I mean that yeah, contract been, extension. I loved <laughs> yeah. it at the time. It does not look good right now. No, I I, I thought he was pretty good uh, receiver. I mean, I I guess I still kind of do think that, but he's had a really bad year compared to expectations and then but Fryermuth has been pretty good as a tight end mm-hmm. uh I mean I guess because like other than Kelsey none of the tight ends are very good <laughs> yeah uh, I think but, I saw a stat that Fryermuth is like statistically or I don't know if it was PFF or something but he was like the number two tight end in the league only after Travis Kelsey so yeah I guess he's the best of all the guys who aren't Travis Kelsey so that's right. pretty cool exactly <laughs> uh I will say I think I think Najee though has had kind of a down year too and yeah, he's been better question. the past few weeks, but that's definitely I mean, he still was, a concern. He was great at Alabama, but it's it's just like another case of drafting a running back in the first round really doesn't work out uh, for the most part. And I don't know, cause he looked explosive his rookie year, but I don't know he he's uh he's he's had a pretty bad year compared to last year. Yeah, well, he dealt with some injuries in the preseason. I don't know how much those right. are a factor. Post by, right, he had like a Liz Frank injury. Yeah, right, which is not easy to to which play probably, through. I, which maybe that's bothered him all year. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he, I think he's he's improved post by, but yeah, I mean, there's still a lot of questions over whether or not that was the right move. I don't. I mean, there wasn't an offensive lineman to take at that point that would have changed anything, but. Uh, yeah, it's it's always tough drafting a running back without having sufficient blockers for him. And, uh, you know, he's he's shown what he can do when he gets out in space. But, yeah, there's a there's a lot of questions about that decision for sure. I think that George Pickens is someone who is severely underutilized. So we didn't talk about it last week. He had like a blow up on the sideline after the like during the Falcons game. And there was a, a lot of discourse over whether or not. 
uh, that was a problem. But I think he just proves why because he had three targets this game. He caught all three of them for 78 yards. He's a Steelers' number one wide receiver at this point. And, you know, Pat Fryermuth is the only receiving option that I would consider putting above him. I think that Pickens has passed Deontay Johnson well past where Chase Claypool was. And he's someone who, if you can't figure out how to use him, you have no business being offensive coordinator in the NFL. He's such a special talent to just be standing out there not being seriously considered for plays. Yeah, that, that kind of blows my mind because he's made a lot of highlight real catches this year. And yeah, only having one catch two yards in that Falcons game mm-hmm. is that's pretty pathetic. Yeah, no, it, it's been really bad. Just like how he like makes these great plays and then doesn't even get another target for like two quarters. So that's been like the most frustrating part of the season is just like knowing that he is a special talent who you get him one on one. Like he doesn't have to be wide open for him to be able to make plays. Just all the circus catches he's able to make. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, in terms of like looking forward at this point, hopefully Kenny Pickett is able to go at some point. Uh, Mike Tomlin already said. If he's cleared, he's playing this weekend, which you know it would be nice if that happens. But I also understand the caution to maybe holding him out at least a week. And in that case, whether it's Trubisky or Mason Rudolph playing quarterback, I'm very glad that I did not decide to pay 150 bucks to sit in the nosebleeds to watch that game because there's going to be a lot of Steelers fans in there that are just like, what are we even doing here? Which was one of my concerns with that Panthers game in week 15. But yeah, that's uh, definitely does not seem like it's worth the, the cost of the ticket when a lot of people bought that earlier this year. If you're, if you're worried about a game where the other team's starting quarterback is Sam Darnold and you're worried about winning that game, that's that's a problem. <laughs> yeah, well, well, we'll talk more about the Panthers, but for now, let's talk about your Patriots. So they played Monday night against the Arizona Cardinals, and... I mean, there's a lot that went down in this game. Of course, the biggest story, Kyler Murray getting injured early, tearing his ACL, and Colt McCoy was brought in, and Patriots got off to a slow start. They were down at halftime, but they ended the game on a 20 unanswered run, and I think ultimately the biggest way to look at it, it was a much-needed victory for the Patriots to get above 500 and remain in the playoff picture. Well, it's certainly a much-needed victory because of needing to get into the playoffs and remain in the hunt, uh, especially with the rest of their, how, how the rest of the schedule looks with Arizona just yesterday. And then you got Las Vegas next week. And then the next, the last three games of the season are tough games that the Patriots would be underdogs. in. And so this game and the Las Vegas Raiders game next week, those are really must must wins. And so, yes, it's great that the Patriots came out with a victory in in yesterday's Monday night football game but at the same time I didn't really learn anything anything new with the Patriots it's really just the same thing I know that they scored 27 points but it still looks the same offensively it still looks dysfunctional it still looks like the same JV high school looking offense screen pass after screen pass not really pushing the ball down the field I mean I know they did not have Myers in this game and they lost Devontae Parker. Speaking of concussions, they lost Yeah, right. Devontae well, that's Parker. another scenario with the another issue where protocol. Questionable decision on how did he not get off the field uh, after that play. Uh, so they lost their, they didn't have their two best receivers in that game. Oh, well, first of all, a lot of injuries in that game. And Oh, yeah. It was more than just like, Not Kyler just Murray. Parker, but like or starting Parker. with right out, right out of the gate, third play of the game, Kyler Murray 
tears his ACL and, and I mean, once that happens, like, all right, well, this is going to be a useless game because yeah. Colt McCoy is going to come. In. I know Colt McCoy's he's a he has solid backup. He'll, he'll give he you has one moments, or two games but, a year. But it's just like, okay, great, we beat we beat Colt McCoy. Uh, like that that doesn't inspire a lot of confidence um, in terms of uh, thinking highly of the Patriots. I mean, look at the quarterbacks they've beaten this year: Mitch Trubisky, Jared Goff, Jacoby Brissett, Zach Wilson twice, who's a bum. Sam Ellinger and Colt McCoy. Like the best Literally the, the, the only starter is Jared Goff. Everyone oh, yeah, else is Jared a backup. Goff, a bunch of backups. Yeah, that that's that's yeah. crazy. I never like put that together. So that's that's just that's so I mean that's that's so bad, but I I mean I don't want to blame the Patriots for the other team's mishaps because like even if Kyler were uh, even if he stayed healthy and the Cardinals are just such a a mess of a team that it's really just waiting for the other team to make a mistake, which is exactly what happened where we saw DeAndre Hopkins hold the ball like Shady McCoy and, and just inexplicably uh, fumble the ball after the way he carried the ball. And then the Patriots score a touchdown. I love how Hopkins was like, oh, my bad, my bad. Like, um, yeah, it was your bad. We were in the game and now we're not. So yeah, obviously yeah, I mean, it was your bad. Not something you'd expect to see from a, a player of his caliber, like a veteran like that. Uh, but I mean, yeah, you said 27 points. The offense didn't score 27 because they did have right. a defensive the, touchdown. One of the touchdowns was on, on defense. So, so the, I mean, the defense played well. Uh, Josh Uche had three sacks and they were certainly padding the stats once – the game was over, but it's really just, I'll admit, maybe it's the contrarian in me, but I can't help but when I look at a matchup, was it this team that won or this team that lost? I really think it's just the other team just sucks, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I think that this is a game that you would have learned more from it if the Patriots lost than them winning, especially in the way it went down. Like, it's one thing to go out and beat a Kyler Murray-led Cardinals team, but once he got injured and... I mean, the things it still took a long time for them to get anything going and still feel like they were convincing enough to win this game. So I yeah, totally even understand they like, w- the skepticism. Even though they won this game, Mac Jones still had his uh, blow-ups where he's F-bombing the coaches on the sideline. And then there was a point where he shrugged off the the Matt Patricia and others, like, l- like let me figure this out. And so there's still... There, there's still uh, friction between Mac Jones and, and and the rest of the offense with the coaching staff, and I still think that is a problem right now. Yeah, I mean, even with extra time to get ready, like there's still shots of Matt Patricia and Joe Judge just looking clueless on the sidelines and trying that, to call. There was offense. there was one point after they scored, Mac Jones and Matt Patricia are are you know broing it out and hugging it out, and just like all right, like this is so <laughs> forced. Like you guys don't are not on the same page and don't really care for each other. I, I don't, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't care to see that. And yeah, I'm, I'm just not, I don't, I don't love what's going on with uh, the coaching staff along with Mac Jones. And again, even though I'm probably more of a Mac Jones defender lately, I will say it is kind of annoying how the past few weeks now he's, he's getting in all these ta- temper tantrums and yelling on the sidelines and even on the field. And it's like, okay, I, I, I totally understand his frustrations. And I, again, I'm mostly defending him over the coaching staff. But at the same time, it's like, uh, I, you got to get over it. Like you gotta, you gotta, you can't, you can't be mad about this forever. You gotta <laughs> figure yeah. it out. And it's just, it's just the same story all, o- all over and over again, uh, starting from training camp where it just, the offense just looks so, so bad. 
I don't have any faith in them winning in against actual good opponents. Yeah, and I think that's like a reasonable way to look at it where it's like even if the Patriots are able to, you know, win a couple games down the stretch to be able to make the playoffs, it's hard to believe that this team is going to go into Kansas City or go into Buffalo and be able to keep up with either of those teams offensively. So, there's a part of me that would of course I want to root for them, especially to make the playoffs and be great. But at the same time, it's like, okay, if they make the playoffs and they get blown out by Buffalo or Kansas City or whomever, would it just be the same thing where, where Bill will look at and say, oh, you know, we made the playoffs, so th- this offensive philosophy works. We're going to keep Patricia and Judge and others, and we're going to keep up with the, the same, the same uh, do-your-job kind of thing here where we, we'll still have you know the guys that I like on the coaching staff. It's still... Even if you make the playoffs and have a similar record, it's still not great progress. It's still a, a dysfunctional offense. Yeah, I mean, I I had the, the same thoughts about the the Steelers making the playoffs and whether you know if the tight or the Raiders and the Chargers tie or if Carson Wentz doesn't blow that game against the Jaguars. Does Canada go? Like, are there actual resets uh, in that area? So I I do understand that concern. Uh, because it is like, okay, making the playoffs and getting blown out again is not progress, especially if it's with an identical 10 and seven records. So I do understand that like legitimate concern there. Now, in order for them to get to 10 and seven, they will have to beat somebody who is good, given that they play three teams that are within the playoff field right now in the AFC in the last three games of the season. So we'll see if it, that's a reality, but I don't this know. is really the Chargers to lose because the Chargers, they are, I mean, they're out of the playoff picture, but they have the same record as New England right now. But if you take a look at their schedule, they have Tennessee uh, this upcoming uh, Sunday. And then, and, and we've seen how Tennessee has looked in the last couple of games. And then they got Indy who blows. And then they got the Rams, who are just done, pretty much. And then they got the Broncos, who are also done. Uh, so they have four games, four very winnable games. I know. So Tennessee is the outlier because that one can be. I, the Chargers are favored, so I expect I I think they'll win that game. But at least that's a a close game. But the other three games are just jokes. Where like the, they're it's it's theirs to lose because the New England has a much tougher schedule in these last four games than the Chargers do. Yeah, and hey, the Chargers are definitely capable of losing games in December and January. Yeah, that too. That we'll say that. Do, They're but... certainly <laughs> capable of, of blowing it. Uh, yeah. And so I guess it wouldn't surprise me if they implode in one of those games. Yeah, but it, it sounds like they're going to have to implode a couple times, um, right, for them to <laughs> you know miss miss out. We will talk about the Chargers uh, at some point. I do want to say, like, I don't want to just completely brush over it. Like, as easy it, as Kyler Murray can be to hate on, like, it still sucks that he tore his ACL. Oh, done for, for sure. The year. It, it's it's he's definitely easy to hate on, but at the same time, he is fun to watch. He is oh, without a doubt. Team. Yeah, that that game verse. The Raiders, I mean, you could probably say the Raiders really blew that, but there was a play in that game where they needed a two-point conversion, and he's trying to find someone to get open, but he couldn't find anyone to get open. He's running around everywhere, like all over the field, and then all of a sudden he decides, screw it, I'm going to 
take this for myself and I'm going to get into the end zone with my legs. And it was, and that two point conversion was amazing only to follow up that with a more amazing two point conversion because they're down eight, they get the tie and then they need a two point conversion. And he throws this pass to AJ green, where if, if it was a little higher or lower or whatever, like he hit in the perfect spot and, and, and they tied the game and then eventually won in overtime. It was by a defensive, uh, defensive touchdown and a mishap by Renfro, but still like that was an exciting game. And I, and Kyler really won him that game. And so he's, yes, he's easy to hate on, but he's electric to watch. And it sucks because, because like, yeah, torn ACL and he's done for the year and certainly parts of next year. And the Cardinals are kind of screwed for the next season and a half or season and a quarter. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I totally agree. Like there are times where he looks like a video game out there, just the things he's able to do. Uh, they're just like very unlike anything that we've seen uh, at, at this level. And it's unfortunate again. Yeah. When you take your ACL in mid December, there's certainly questions over whether or not you'll be good to go at the start of next season. And Cardinals are already a mess regardless of, uh, you know, Kyler Murray being healthy, just adding this onto things. It's just kind of the, the icing on the cake in terms of a horrible 2022 season for them. And, and he's not a pure pocket passer. He, the oh, the biggest part of his game is his mobility, his speed. Yeah. So I'd imagine that the ACL tear, it, it might prolong his recovery more than than other guys. Yeah, which is a very good point because if he doesn't have that explosiveness to him, then he's not the the kind of quarterback that he can be. So uh, definitely a devastating injury there and uh, certainly something to watch as we go into the offseason and look into 2023. So uh, for now, though, let's talk about some other games and thoughts on uh, week 14 and do a kind of a question style. I don't feel like we haven't really done a format like this to talk about the NFL in a while, uh, mostly just kind of focusing on individual games, but we're going to kind of ask some questions based on a combination of different games this weekend. And let's start off by looking at the NFC. So a couple months ago, or even a month ago, it would have been crazy to think that either the Lions or the Panthers could end up making the playoffs. They're very much near the bottom of their divisions, bottom of the conference, but the Lions have won five out of six. They're six and seven, very much in the hunt and feeling like they could maybe get a wild card spot, while the Panthers, even though they're five and eight, they're just a game back of the Buccaneers uh, for the AFC South lead and that automatic playoff berth. So, uh, Given that, which of these teams is more likely to steal one of those NFC playoff berths? I got three words for you, Corey. Restore the roar. <laughs> Detroit Lions, baby. Definitely the Lions. Uh, I, 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 they're, they're playing, I think they're playing awesome right now. These last, like you said, five of the last six games they've gotten gotten to victory. And yeah, it looked like at one point in the year, like they were losing game after game and thinking, all right, like the Lions hype train was, was too much. And even though I wasn't thinking they were going to make the playoffs, I, I was thinking like, even jam, like I was probably too high on them and, uh, you know, falling for the hard knocks factor and just, you know, Dan Campbell is a great coach or or very likable coach and and the players certainly play for him. So yeah, it looked like it was heading South quick uh, at one point in the year, but these last six games, they've looked great. 
and I think they got a legitimate shot at a seven seed. I mean, if I had to guess, gun to my head, I would say no, but like they'll probably still miss it. But you could you could say they they're make they'll they could make it because they're on the rise right now, and the teams ahead of them, like the Giants and the Seahawks, are, are they're starting to they're starting to slip right now. And so if if those trends keep they continue uh, for both for for all those teams uh, one way or the other, then the Lions definitely have a shot. And you know, defensively, you know they they they've been they've been terrible for most of this year. But I will say they've done a great job lately versus the run because, you know, these last six weeks, Dalvin Cook had 15 carries for 23 yards, ETN 13 carries for 54 yards, Saquon 15 carries, 22 yards, and and then Jones and Dylan, two uh, one of the best running back duos in the league, they had 20 carries for 59 yards when they faced them. So they're doing a better job against the run. There's, their defense is still not great. Like you still want to, you know, have – it's it's still a good matchup, uh, you know, to take advantage of defensively. But they've done a better job versus the run uh, of late. And did you see that? Did you see uh, Dan Campbell's interview uh, on Pat McAfee? Uh, no, where... I didn't. Okay, so <laughs> he talked about how uh, the Lions fans, like near the end of the game, they're doing the wave, and Dan Campbell talked about like he was getting distracted by the wave, and the offensive coordinator or whomever you know, say, Hey, do you want to do this play? And he didn't really understand it, but he was like, yeah, sure. Let's do it. And then all of a sudden it was a, <laughs> a throw to Penny, Penny, Penny Sewell. And, and then Dan Campbell jokingly was like, what the heck before we doing guys? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would go back and watch that interview. I mean, I'm sure yeah. it was, I'm sure he was just kind of joking and playing it up because he said they worked on that stuff, but, but it was just a fun list, fun to listen to. Cause, cause Dan Campbell, he's, he's definitely fun to, He's definitely fun to root for. Uh, he he's definitely yeah. Like, he's definitely play for him. He he's uh, a likable guy. He's definitely a coach that a lot of people have uh you know really been hyping up over the last year or two yeah. since he's been hired. And I mean, there yeah. were a lot of questions about him early in the season when they got off that one and six start. But now that uh, they're winning games, I, I would say that at yeah. the very least his job is secure for next season. Yeah, and op- and, and they're offensively they're. Like Amonra has been awesome uh, this year, and Jamal Williams has a million touchdowns, and they get DeAndre Swift back, and yeah, now that he's healthy, and, and they, they, got, they, got, they don't have outside of Amonra, they don't have they don't have a lot of star receivers, but they have a lot of depth at the position after Amonra, and so yeah, I, I like I like the Lions. I think they have a again. I if I were to pick one way or the other, gun to my head, I'm, I would say they won't make it, but I I do think they have a shot. Yeah, so I'm going I, no, I I totally agree that the Lions are playing really good football right now. They look much better, and uh, there's plenty of reason to buy into the team having one five or six, thinking that they can keep it rolling. But I'm gonna make the pace. I'm gonna make the case of the Panthers here, and really, there are three things that stand out to me when I look at the Carolina Panthers right now. And one of them is, like we said, the the Lions are much better now. Like their defense has gotten a little better. Their offense is still going. The Panthers are a completely different football team under head coach Steve Wilkes and they were under Matt Rule. I know it's easy to look back on that team that started 1-4. It was just like an absolute joke, but they've figured it out recently. They're a 500 team since Wilkes took over, and they've 
to this point, it was winning a lot of home games, maybe not against the best competition. The Bucks looked like a mess when they beat them earlier in the year for win number two. They beat a Broncos team that also is looked terrible. But this is like a legitimate win, them going into Seattle up against the 12th man on the road against a team fighting for their playoff lives in their own right and being able to win that game. I don't want to say they dominated by any means, pulling out 30 to 24, but they were in control most of the way in that one. Right. Uh, so to me, like that, that's a big thing is that there's just a different team right now. And then another factor is, I mean, Sam Darnold, yeah, he, he only had 120 yards in this game, but he, they, they just look like a much better team with him at quarterback than they did with Baker Mayfield running the show. So I think that it, in the idea of them being different, like that is a, a tangible thing, not even just a head coach and, you know, getting rid of a guy like Robbie Anderson, who is very much a problem for that team, but just being able to plug in Darnold, things look a little better. And then ultimately the biggest thing that the Panthers have going for them that the Lions don't is they control their own destiny. The Panthers win out, they're winning the NFC South and making the playoffs. And I know in a lot of ways it sounds crazy, but their next two games, they host the Steelers, which I just talked about. Pittsburgh, good chance it's either Trubisky or Mason Rudolph playing quarterback. Even then, Kenny Pickett coming off a concussion. Steelers didn't look all that promising on offense. And even the defense, like they were getting ran all over by a Ravens team that had quarterbacks who are just not capable of throwing the football at a high level. So I mean, this is a Panthers team that just ran for 223 yards against the Seahawks. I have no doubt that they'll be able to do something similar against the Steelers this week. And then they host the Lions in week 16. So that's a really interesting game, uh, something that I wouldn't have expected at this point, you know, not that long ago. And then from there, it's yeah. you go to Tampa and beat the Bucs. And I, I know, like, yeah, it's the Bucs, it's Tom Brady, whatever, but they beat them really badly earlier in the season. So I think if they're able to keep this thing going, like, they have a really legitimate shot to sneak into the playoffs. Now, I don't know that I trust them when they were to get there, but, uh, I mean, with the way the Bucs are looking right now, it, it doesn't seem like that's something we should just take for granted because they looked really bad against the Niners this week. Yeah, it's tough defense, but at the same time, they lost by a lot in that game. Yeah, they looked so bad. And, and Brady, Brady had passes in that game that that weren't like on the. It wasn't like on the line or the receiver. Like there were some throws in that game where it was like on him completely. Where like it was just completely bad throws uh, from Brady in that game. And it's funny that, like they're mentioning like some of those games. Like wow, Jets, Lions, and. And Lions uh, Panthers are are actually going to be big games heading, yeah, right? heading down the stretch. <laughs> I never would didn't think I would ever uh-huh. say those words ever, but yeah, those are big. I guess for me, when it comes to those these two teams, is that the Lions I actually believe in uh, a little bit or have some faith in. While when it comes to the Panthers, it's really just like I, it's it's really their division or or who yeah, they're no, up against. No, I, I agree is, with is, that. For me, it's it, not necessarily that I think the Panthers are like a better team than the Lions. It's more just It's that, just that they I have a better the situation playoff. of getting in than the Lions. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas like you said, the Lions don't control their own destiny, but if they win out, they're probably making the playoffs because the Giants and Commanders play again this week. Now Right normal me would say someone has to win that game someone has to lose <laughs> that game obviously when these two teams played each other that did not happen but barring a second tie in just you know three weeks one of those teams is going to have another loss so really i mean for the lions i don't know they necessarily have to win out i think nine and eight can get them into the playoffs they lose to the jets in the meadowlands this week they'll be in 
a fairly tough spot. But those those last two games against the Bears and the Packers, I mean, those two teams don't look all that good. And that Week 18 against the Packers, if it's Jordan Love, I don't know. I mean, if they're they're just not have nothing to play for, they're not playing a bunch of starters, then uh, that that makes that game even more winnable than it already is, even though it is in Lambeau Field. So. Uh, Lions path is definitely there in front of them. If they keep it rolling, I do think that they'll end up seeking into the playoffs, but I think the Panthers have a much clearer path. They don't really need anyone else's help, but I also understand like, you know, this team could very easily have a big letdown against the Steelers. So, and like have that be over and the Detroit goes into Charlotte and beats them and that game against Tampa doesn't matter. So. Yeah. I mean, one thing to mention about the, the, for the Lions, the, the teams ahead of them, like I mentioned, the Giants, like they're starting to slip right now, and I remember early in the year, like they were winning all these games, and I'm thinking to myself, like, well, they were winning all these games because they have such a cupcake schedule, and now uh, these last few games have have kind of shown that like it was an easy part of the schedule because these last four games, okay, they they lost to the Lions, uh, coincidentally, uh, by by thirteen at home. And then they lost to the Cowboys on Thanksgiving. Cowboys are definitely better than we both expected. But still, they lost there. They tied the Commanders. And then Eagles won the best, if not the best team in the NFL. They got destroyed Absolutely by them. beat up, yeah. It not wasn't even, even remotely close. And so I'm, I'm, I guess I'm curious how the rest of the season will go for them because if they continue this uh, – if they continue this trend that I think they have a chance of missing in. And then the Seahawks, you know, they lost, they just lost, uh, like we said to Carolina on Sunday and these next two games, they faced the Niners and the chiefs. And those are easily, uh, two games that they could lose. And then, and then the jets, uh, even though the, you know, the jets aren't great, but they're definitely better with Mike white in there instead of Zach Wilson. Mm -hmm. So because Mike white is in there, even though, We'll see how his injury is after he got, you know, a huge hit <laughs> yeah. uh, facing Buffalo. Uh, uh, I definitely take the Jets more seriously with Mike White in there instead of, you know, complete bum Zach Wilson instead. Yeah, so, I mean, and their, their defense is good enough that, you know, they don't need a ton out of the offense. They just need something. Right. So, th- so. those are three games where Seattle would, there definitely would be underdogs versus San Fran, and even with Brock Purdy in there, they'd, they'd be underdogs versus them, and definitely versus the Chiefs. But and then the Jets would be like a toss up, so they could easily go zero and three in these next three games. So, so even though I kind of agree with you with the Panthers that they have a an easier path to making the playoffs by winning the their crappy division and in the NFC South, but at the same time. I, I can talk myself into the lines making it, especially the way no, and that, right that is a legitimate, yeah, legitimate thing to point out as well as like as much as it's easy to say, well, they need these other teams to lose. Like there is a good chance that those other teams are going to lose some games. So maybe both these teams will somehow find their way <laughs> into the playoffs. That'd be kind of crazy. Yes, certainly would be. <laughs> All right. Uh, question number two, uh, which contender should be more concerned about their close their close win on Sunday, the Cowboys or the Chiefs? Yeah, so both of these teams went into their games as heavy favorites. Cowboys at home against the Houston Texans, Chiefs on the road against the Denver Broncos, and uh, both barely squeaked out uh, very close victories, less than a touchdown. 
I think that both of these teams should have some level of concern just given the nature of this one, but I'm going to make the case for the Chiefs because not even just about this game, but I think over the past couple weeks or so, the defense has not been looking all that great. And I think that Patrick Mahomes, as magical as he can be at times, and he certainly was in this one, he had some brutal interceptions. And I'm starting to like question just how high or how likely the Chiefs are to reach their ceiling. Not necessarily that they aren't a Super Bowl contender, but it's like these past two games have like really brought me down on this team. So uh, just focusing on this Denver game, they go up 27 nothing. They're just totally in control. They're up 27 nothing with three minutes to go in the second quarter. Less than two minutes into the third quarter, it's 27-21. to 21. Patrick Mahomes throws two interceptions at the end of the first half. The Broncos offense, which we know is not very good, takes full advantage with two late touchdowns right before the half. And then right after, Marlon Mack just runs through nobody on the Chiefs defense for like a 70-yard touchdown. Just insane. Uh, and it looked like Denver was actually the competent offense we thought they were going to be in this one. So uh, I still think the Chiefs are going to be very good when it's all said and done. I think they're going to win the AFC West. I, I don't think that it's going to be like a total uh, you know despair for this team. But just in terms of where their expectations are, I think that they've dropped lower for me than the Cowboys had following this week. I kind of figure you picked the Chiefs. Because I'm gonna pick Dallas. I do. I do. I do kind of agree with you on the Chiefs, though, because their defense has been kind of easy to pick on, even though they're looked at as one of the best teams in the league. It's really more because of how good they are offensively with Mahomes at quarterback, and how yeah, and that's always been, been the been case this with this team. It's, that's true. Yeah, and, but, and because of that, the the defense, the defensive struggles have kind of been underplayed. When they won it all a few years ago, their defense was. It wasn't great, but it was middle of the pack. It was good enough. Yes. But I remember Mahomes's not rookie year, but first year as a starter when he won MVP. They were like the worst he in was the league. Off, but their defense was so bad, especially against the run, and that's uh-huh. what cost them uh, in that in that AFC Championship game versus New England. And yeah, so that they definitely have struggles on defense, and it's kind of shown in these last couple games where they gave up. I mean, the Bengals are great offensively, but still they they weren't able to get the stop on some key situations, including that. Yeah, third I mean that down third and eleven, uh-huh. a third and eleven. Like you got to make a stop there. And yeah, so, they had fourteen so yeah, missed tackles in that game. That was something I, I I didn't know until this past week. Fourteen I missed tackles. I didn't know until you just told me. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, and then and then versus Denver, I part of me thinks. They got up twenty-seven to nothing versus Denver, and they probably just left their foot off the gas. But I do agree a little bit. It's a little concerning how twenty-seven how to twenty-one it early in the third quarter. Like they, right, because, they, yeah, you can't let that because happen. Mahomes threw a couple bad picks, and then yeah, the Marlon Mack who hasn't done anything all year on any team he's been on, uh, all of a sudden comes out of nowhere after Mike Boone is hurt and just <laughs> runs for a. Or catches for like a yeah, crazy 66 60 yard, yard catch, but I mean it was 66 mostly yard yards after catch. So. Right, it was mostly a, it was a screen, but mostly uh-huh. yards after the, after the catch. So part of me thinks it was kind of just them laying their foot off the gas. But I do agree it's a little concerning. But I'm going to go with Dallas as a more concerning loss because they just played the worst team in the league and they almost lost. And it was mostly Houston uh, in that game. It's not like it's not like. Uh, 
like KC where they had a huge lead and just, you know, kind of coasted through, you know, part of the second half of that game. But Dallas, they weren't, they weren't in that game until, until the the last minute of the game uh, where they finally had to, they finally had to come through. And so I don't know, like when I'll admit, it's just a thing with Dallas at this time of the year where you've, no matter how good they are, I always expect them to come back down to earth and blow it. And another thing is Dak, he hasn't been, he's been fine, but he hasn't been as good as people realize because uh, ever since he returned from that thumb injury, he's had eight, yeah, eight interceptions since returning from the thumb injury in week seven. And that's tied for the most in the NFL during that span. It's just, he he's, he's, uh, he's turning the ball more, uh, turning the ball over more than people realize. And so that's a little bit of a concern. I mean, I, they're running the ball well, especially Pollard, who's been great this year. Um, and their defense is definitely one of the better ones in the league. So that's one thing that to feel better about Dallas than Kansas City is their defense. But yeah, I mean, I that, that's just I think that's a, a big thing. But I I understand in terms of Dallas being able to be like a Super Bowl team, I feel more confident still in the Chiefs' chances. The biggest rebuttal I'd have to the fact that the Cowboys were in it in the whole game against the Texans as opposed to the Chiefs jumping out to the big lead before blowing it is, I mean, it, this is the kind of game that you'd expect the Cowboys to lose, but they still managed to pull off the comeback, and it was on a 98-yard touchdown drive. So I think that's the one thing where it's like, okay, if they can pull this off, if they can snatch victory from the jaws of defeat, maybe there's a chance that this is a different team. Now, you know, obviously the fact that you're a 17-point favorite at home and that is what it takes to win the game is concerning, but that that's the one saving grace I would have for the Cowboys is the fact that they did pull it out, you know, despite falling behind like that and struggling all game. Yeah, I get, no, I get that. It's just, even though the Broncos, they're probably the second or third worst team in the league uh, just behind Houston, at least... I mean, I know Russell Wilson has been one of the most disappointing players this year, but still Russell Wilson, and they still have some they skill. Have on one of the best play- defenses offense, in the league you got, as well. Yeah, they have, they have good skill players on um, both sides of the ball. And you know, I, I kind of figured it'd be even – well, I did not think it'd be close once it was 27 nothing, but coming into the game, I thought it would be a one-possession game. Well, Dallas-Houston, like that should have been a blowout. And – and it wasn't not only wasn't not blowout, it was almost a loss. So, yeah, I I thought that was a more concerning almost loss than than Kansas City. So that's just me. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's one where I think you could go either way on those. Uh, definitely, neither of those team feels great about how it played out. They're happy to get a win, but uh, certainly a lot of questions for both those teams moving forward. So. Uh, let's move on now. Sunday night football. We got a matchup between the fifth and sixth overall picks of the 2020 NFL draft in the Dolphins, Tua Tagovailoa, and the Chargers, Justin Herbert. And in the end, the Chargers won this game 23 to 17 with uh, their quarterback looking much better than the guy who was drafted one pick before him. So, what's your biggest takeaway from this Sunday night matchup? That the Chargers are finally uh, have Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, and and everyone all together at once. Finally, uh, for feels like feels like the first time in forever because Keenan Allen since week got one hurt. actually week one he got hurt and then was out for a while. And then the game he came back was the game where Mike Williams got a 
sprained his ankle and then Keenan Allen was out too with still with a nagging hamstring. And then it got to the point where both of them were out. And so they finally have both those guys back. Uh, and then along with, you know, Eckler and Palmer and even though Austin Eckler's had a great year, he's the reason why he's had a, so many catches this year is because Justin Herbert, he's, he's had a tough time rightfully. So of finding anyone to go to without his two best receivers. And so the fact that they got everyone back shows you how good their offense can be. And I'm glad that showed in this game. And, and so that's one of my takeaways, but I think my biggest takeaway is that, uh, you know, when it comes to Tua, like, like I said in past years that I think people were just too harsh on him uh, and saying he's trash and he sucks. And I think this year has proven that he is a capable quarterback, but now I think this year, has shown that people are going too far in the other direction where people think, Oh, Tua's awesome. Elite quarterback way better than Justin Herbert. And it's like, no, I'm final. I'm glad, even though it hurts the Patriots chances, uh, playoff chances more with the Chargers winning than the dolphins. I will say, I'm glad the Chargers won that game because, because I, even though Tua, I, I have, I have faith in him, but to say he's better than Justin Herbert is, I think is absurd. And so I'm glad that, that game kind of proved that Justin Herbert was still the better option compared to Tua. And I think the Dolphins, they're another team. I, I, I feel like I'm repeating myself with a lot of these teams, but the Dolphins are, I think, another team where even though they're certainly a playoff team and certainly have a lot of uh, explosive players and, uh, offensively, I think this game kind of showed that the and the last game that the Dolphins, you know, these last two games for them have kind of shown, I've, I don't want, not exposed to a, but it's shown he's gone, come back down to earth a bit. I, I don't think it's all that crazy to say exposed. I mean, I, I think there are a lot of takeaways. I agree with you that for me, like I've wanted to be a two believer. This game, one big takeaway is yeah, it's it's Herbert over Tua at right now. Yeah, like if you that's something you do that the power rankings, Herbert is down on. <laughs> very much above Tua because Justin Herbert. You talked about it. He's played all season long without any of his weapons, and I think it's easy to kind of come down on him. And you, everyone's high on Tua because of what he's able to do with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle and uh, Trent Sherfield. Like they got all these guys that are like super fast and speedy, and they're able to make all these explosive plays and in this game right after looking really bad against a great 49ers defense he also looked really bad against a bad Chargers defense 10 for 28 just I I do think it's fair to say exposed in terms of being able to how to limit this guy and on the flip side Justin Herbert 367 passing yards with his weapons back and I think that the Chargers look like a legitimate football team um I, I will say I'll, fully, that, I'll take my L on uh even though it's not over yet, I'll take my L on them winning the, the Super division Bowl. and going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, but but I still believe there are a legit playoff team that will eventually blow it at some point, however <laughs> that may happen. But I still think the especially the way they played on Sunday night, that they definitely have the pieces to still be a playoff team. That I'm so, not gonna back down from. Yeah, so this is a a big if, I will say this, but if the Chargers do take care of business as expected and make the playoffs, I do think they are a legitimate threat in the AFC field, even as like a six or seven seed. That They're a team who can give a big scare to one of those top teams because when everything is going well for this team, which 
rarely happens. They <laughs> have rare. all the talent. Yeah. <laughs> they have the talent on both sides of the ball. And I, I think that this game is a reminder of how good their offense can be. So if and if their defense can just figure it out, like they they bullied the Dolphins receivers. They just do you think right up on the line. Do you think that was more sorry to cut you off, cut you off, but yeah. do you think that was more on the Chargers just playing great defense, or do you think just or Tua just uh, coming back down to earth being exposed no? I think I do think it was the Chargers defense kind of exposed the Dolphins offense and just some of the limitations mm-hmm. like they took away those big plays they took away a lot of the like jet motions and all that stuff that they like to do to get these guys open and out into space that's really what it is if you get Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle the ball downfield they can do something crazy and we saw Tyreek Hill in this game like even though there's only so much he had that fumble recovery that he ran for a touchdown and then he had a 60 yard touchdown as well so we know like how explosive he can be when he gets the ball Chargers just did everything they could to prevent the ball getting into his hands and I think Jalen Waddle's a little banged up but then there you go Justin Herbert's been dealing with that all season long he hasn't had many games where he's posted what like a 35 percent completion rate so uh, I think that that's a thing. And then I know you said they look like a playoff team. I don't think the Dolphins are locked to get in. They go to Buffalo on Saturday night. That'll be a tough one, obviously. I mean, the Bills are right up there when it comes to best teams of the AFC. And I know the Dolphins beat them in Miami, but I don't love their chances of going into Buffalo in December and winning that game, especially with how they've looked the past two weeks. Did you they hear also- that the, the Dolphins had, in, in, in an indoor stadium... In LA, they had I think heaters uh, in, on their at the bench. I don't know if you heard about that story. No, what? <laughs> yeah, like no, they, I they did needed, not hear that. Yeah, I I got I could look it up, but uh, they needed that f- for an LA uh, a indoor stadium yeah. game versus LA, and now they're going to go on the road to Buffalo. And they're <laughs> all right. Yeah, that <laughs> if that's like even remotely has anything to do with like temperature and weather, then that is a, a horrible sign for them. Uh, they, they play the Packers at home on Christmas Day, which should be a win given how Green Bay is this year. And then their last two games at New England versus the Jets, two more AFC East division foes playoff contenders. So uh, I don't think we should take for granted that the Dolphins are a playoff team anymore. If if you Google Dolphins bench heaters, you will see a lot of stories uh, on it. And so, uh, yeah, so they they play Buffalo on Saturday night, and yeah, I on the road, I yeah, I think that's I think that's Buffalo's. I, I think Buffalo could easily win that game. And then, even though I certainly believe in Miami more than New England, that's also at New England, and so that that also can't be a lock for Miami. Even though I would pick Miami. Because we know when it comes to those two teams, it's usually the home team that wins. And so, so do you see what I'm talking about with that story? Yeah, yeah. Like, what? I, I don't understand. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't know. But if you're going to do it there, then oh, you've got to do it in Buffalo, too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that that's going to be rough. But, yeah, I, I think that, like you said, the Dolphins schedule, like, you can't take anything for granted. Uh, you know, we could kind of say the same thing about the Patriots. Like, oh, they got this tough game against Miami that you say about the Dolphins going up against New England. But, like, all four of those games, maybe you can say, all right, one and one against Buffalo Green Bay. The last two are close-ish to 50-50. So, uh, I mean, th- their offense needs to get going because their defense is not good enough at this 
point to be able to win games when the offense is only putting up 17 points. I mean, they, they scored 30 points four games in a row, and a few of those games are very close, even against some tough or, like, not very good competition. So uh, I think that's another big takeaway is that the Dolphins, I don't want to say frauds, but, like, they're not a Super Bowl contender like some people were, were convinced they were not that long ago. At least yeah, there at was a point. point there was a point where I thought they were as good as the third best team in the AFC after Buffalo and Kansas City. Yeah, we and both now, thought now, that. now I think it's now I think Cincinnati is now that next best team. But in that next uh, tier after Buffalo, Kansas City, and Cincinnati, maybe I would still consider Miami. But Miami's got to turn around at some point, or else, uh, or else they're going to have to be yeah, like I said, fighting for a playoff spot now. Mm-hmm. Instead of a third, instead of the division. Yeah. All right. Question. Question number four: Are the Titans in danger of losing their AFC South lead following their two-score loss to the Jags? So I don't think that they are in serious danger, but it's definitely a possibility that I was not willing to entertain a few weeks ago. Now, when you look at the Titans, they've lost three in a row, and. You can forgive a home loss, home close loss to the Bengals. You can understand but still be disappointed by a blowout loss to the Eagles in Philly, but losing to the Jaguars at home, and it, it was 36-22, to 22, but the Titans scored late to even make it that close. This was a bad performance by the Tennessee Titans, and they still hold a two-game lead over the Jaguars. And ultimately, I don't think they're in serious danger because – I don't know that I fully believe in Jacksonville. Like Trevor Lawrence played really well in this game. I think the Jaguars are they've they've alternated wins and losses since losing, I think like four or five in a row. But their next three, they host the Cowboys. I think Dallas, this is a get right game following that close win over the Texans. So my expectation is that Dallas will go in and take care of business. And then they play the Jets on Thursday night football on the road. I don't know if I love Jacksonville's chances of winning a game in New Jersey in late December. And then in week 17, they go to Houston. And yeah, the Texans are the worst team in the league, but they've had the Jaguars number. Uh, like, I think the Texans have like six wins in the last two years, and four, five of them are over the Jaguars. Something, something ridiculous. So um, there is plenty of reason for me to be skeptical about Jacksonville's ability to keep up with Tennessee. But if I'm wrong, I don't love the Titans right now. Like I think that they'll beat Houston on Christmas Eve, but I don't like their chances against either the Chargers in Week 15 or the Cowboys in Week 17. So uh, it very much is in play that Titans will go to Jacksonville in Week 18, needing a win to win this division. So you know how well, you kind of just said it there, that last point you made, but you know how in Week 18 the NFL will purposely flex games where they'll have the Sunday night game be like a, a de- deciding game on yeah. which team uh-huh. makes the playoffs. We could honestly see this, the week 18, the Jags uh, host the Titans. We Damn. could legitimately see that it game as the, very as the Sunday night game uh, for the division if the Jags were to go. So if the Jags go two and one in their next two games, they'd be seven and nine. And then the the Titans, if they were to go to one and two, they would be, be eight and eight. They'd be eight and eight. And then if the Jags win the last game, they both be eight and nine with the Jags getting the tiebreaker. And look at the Jags schedule. Yeah, I kind of agree with you on Dallas, where it's kind of a get right spot for them, and probably a letdown spot for the Jags. And 
I, I would I would pick the Cowboys, but the Jets. The, so they face the Jets week sixteen, and then the Texans week seventeen. I mean, the Texans like forget it. Like that's I, I'd imagine they'll win that game, but the Jets, Jets Jags. That's definitely a toss up game. That. Wow, another Jets game. That's that's gonna be <laughs> that's actually matters yeah. in late December. Wow, another one. Jets, Jags, Panthers, Lions. What I don't even know what we're talking about right now. But it is no, anyway, it is, it's crazy to think about. Yeah, it's crazy to think about. Yeah, but so if the Jags were to, I think they'll lose to the Cowboys, and I think they'll beat the Texans. So if they were to win versus the Jets again, they'd be two and one in those three games. And the Titans, they got. The Chargers, I I will take the Chargers in that game, even though I think it'll be close. And then they yeah, I mean, the I could that's... see that being a game where like, oh, the Titans lost three in a row. Chargers looking right. really good. Like that's like the ultimate right. time for a Mike Vrabel team to beat a Chargers team. But right. I agree. I think that the Chargers are, should win that game. Yeah. So I w- I would pick the Chargers, the Titans versus the Texans. That'll be like another three hundred rushing yard game for Derrick Henry. <laughs> and then, yeah. and then, and then they host the Cowboys Week Seventeen. And I think Dallas has shown that they're better. Again, like they they showed the Cowboys showed that they can almost blow a game even against a team like the Texans. But I still think they're better than Tennessee, especially with how bad the Titans secondary is. It's 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 brutal. And so basically, what I'm trying to say is, if the Jags go two and one, the Titans go one and two. I think there's a legitimate shot that my uh, my eight and nine, <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> Under five hundred for every team in the division uh, take could be a, a year, a year too early because uh, I think it's. I basically I'm trying to say is I think it's. I think it's legitimately possible. Uh, oh, it's it's definitely it possible. I I don't necessarily believe in Jacksonville's chances, but I, you know, I do see that <laughs> it's there, and it's more that it's not that I think Tennessee is going to get things right. It's more that I don't know that Jacksonville is going to seriously threaten them, but. It is crazy that this is even a possibility right now, just given where Tennessee I didn't. Was I did not think it was a possibility, ago. and I thought the Jags would be pretty good. I thought they would be a a six and a eleven, seven and ten, maybe kind of team. Which seems so, that, doesn't, that doesn't sound pretty good, point. but when you consider yeah. how bad Jacksonville's been <laughs> for all these years, uh, that is pretty good for them. I think. I mean, they have more wins. They have five wins this season. They've, I think they've only won four games the past two. So they officially okay, have more so wins this year. There you than the go. Last so, <laughs> yeah. Very good by their standards. <laughs> All right. So last uh, question here. So this is kind of going back to Thursday night of last week, but Carolina Panthers wave Baker Mayfield. A lot of speculation where he's going to end up. Would he even go to San Francisco and uh, be a legitimate threat to be their starting quarterback over Brock Purdy? But uh, their rivals, the LA Rams, decided to scoop him up with Matthew Stafford headed to IR, likely done for the season. And Baker Mayfield, just two days after being claimed by the Rams, gets into the game against the Raiders, leads an improbable comeback, I believe a 90 eight-yard touchdown drive, just like Dak Prescott did. And the Rams pulled out a 17-16 win. So uh, I guess just given what he did there, are you rooting for a Baker Mayfield redemption story in L.A.? These last couple of years have kind of exposed Baker Mayfield as really not being that great of a quarterback and not deserving a big long-term contract in any sort of way. And... There's a part of me that has kind of enjoyed it, but at the same time, Baker is a 
I don't like you saw in that game versus the Rams or not versus the Rams versus the Raiders in the last few minutes that Baker showed he showed that flair again where he showed that passion for football game because the last couple of years have been really rough for him and he hasn't shown any sort of joy in in, in his game. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean dealing late. with injuries and everything. Dealing with so. injuries and just losses and just bad bad football and bad surroundings uh just so just really bad at everything all uh no matter how you look at it and so he comes in and he's been with the rams for for at that point uh coming to thursday it was basically two days and yeah they were not playing well but then all of a sudden he he, he leads them to a victory after being down 13 with only a few minutes left and they showed mcveigh and you know in the locker room you know with all the players giving out the game balls and and when he gave it to baker like he was super pumped rightfully so and uh, that's a long way of saying i'm i'm not sure cuz i'm i'm not again the biggest baker fan but at the same time it, it was kind of cool to see how that played out uh at the end of the game so i'm leaning towards yes because i think that the way that ended was kind of cool and the Rams aren't going anywhere, but look, Matthew Stafford with all the injuries he's had, the spinal cord injury, uh, back injuries, and he's got the elbow. elbow injury, he's got, yeah. 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 Spinal, right. Spinal cord injury. And just, he might be, he might be done. Yeah, he got his ring last year. Possibility. Like, I think, yeah, I think it's a legitimate possibility that he's, he's done and that's it. And they would have to find the next guy and, Maybe Baker is that next guy. I don't know. They don't and have so, a first round pick, so <laughs> that's not a route <laughs> that they can take. No, I, I mean they could take a late round quarterback. I mean, look at the Niners; <laughs> they picked Mister Irrelevant. Uh, they didn't draft him to be position. the starting quarterback. I mean, they no, could pull but... <laughs> a Texans with Davis Mills if they want, but most likely, right. if the Rams don't have Matthew Stafford, they're getting a guy through free agency or you know some other means. Maybe they'll trade just super future first round picks like they always do but yeah there I think is be a, a cool legitimate story. chance i'm not the biggest baker. fan but it would be a cool story and he he and baker's had he's had his moments of showing uh of himself being a a, a winner uh for lack of a better word. yeah no for sure and i i i really like baker at oklahoma i i was a big fan of him i know that he had some moments that uh you know some fans did not appreciate when he was there but i was uh very much a baker mayfield fan like i was happy for him when he won the heisman trophy i was pulling for him against georgia in the cultural playoff no surprise but uh i was not all that thrilled when he went to the browns and you know for a year or so he was still kind of easy to root for but once cleveland became a legitimate playoff threat uh you know of course to the point where they beat the Steelers in the playoffs it was easy for me to root against him uh but i i was excited for him to leave cleveland and go to carolina i liked the uh, idea of him being a solid quarterback for them obviously didn't work out so they're just like, all right, he's going to go to the Rams. Like, I'm not entertaining this idea when I heard there's a chance he's going to play. But, like, the fact that he pulled off that comeback, just absolutely insane. And uh, I do find myself rooting for him at this point, wanting to see him do well. And it's mostly because of the fact that the Browns just dumped him and replaced him with Deshaun Watson. Yeah, th- so that's so. what I was just about to say is that even though he underperformed, the way it ended, I did not like where, yes, he was underperforming, but... To bring in Deshaun Watson, a 
a predator, predatory perv for yeah, 230 all those million allegations, and just, all and that just, uncertainty. And just, yeah, and just kick Baker to the curb. It's like, so that's one thing where I, one factor where I would root for him is, is that, is the way it ended where, again, even though he was not performing to his best uh, for his abilities, at the same time, it, he does give it his all when he's out there. And so, yeah, so that's one, that's one uh, certainly big factor in in uh if i were to root for baker it'd be that it, it is it's awesome how baker had two days to prepare and he pulled out that win over the raiders while deshaun watson has looked awful to this oh, point he's, really. so like, he's not good yeah with the, the and then Browns, they play the so. rate they play the ravens next and ravens have a good defense uh, outside of that game in week two uh they've been pretty good and then it's also a lot of uh the weather forecast has shown that it's going to be really, uh, really windy or not, not so ideal weather. <laughs> so the combination of both those things, like, I don't know if this is the week, exactly, uh, <laughs> exactly the week where Watson breaks out is basically what I'm trying to yeah. say. So yeah, I, I, so that, that I, doesn't I, look I like, uh, <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure Watson by next year will return to form. But as of right now, the contract that- looks like a, disaster right now yeah I mean that's my expectation I'm not shocked that he struggled but like to this extent I I thought he'd look a little more promising even without having played in 700 days whatever it was so yeah so we'll see if it ages better but yeah so Russell Wilson might not might not be the worst contract after all (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah I know we'll we'll see about that one but yeah I mean if Baker playing well is bad for the Browns in any way, then I'll, I'll definitely be rooting for it. And uh, as of now, there's no reason not to. So, but all right, that'll uh, wrap up our NFL week 14 talk. We'll have uh, more to say as the season wraps up with these final few weeks, but now let's move on to our top five. And a couple years ago, we did our top five favorite Christmas movies and we've also done Christmas songs in the past. We've had a few holiday, you know, Christmas-related countdowns over the years. I decided to do one that's somewhat similar, but a little different in its own right. And that is our favorite Christmas movie characters in this week's top five. Not two, not three, not four. Top five, top five, top five. So uh, we did do our top five favorite Christmas movies just in 2020. So if you haven't listened to that one, you can go back. I don't know how different our list would be, uh, especially just knowing some of the characters I put on it happen to be from those movies, but it is a little bit of a different order and uh, maybe not always the the characters that you would expect. But I'll get started by number five. And um, this is a character from a movie that I hadn't seen yet when we did that countdown just two years ago. Uh, that is Isaac Greenberg, played by Seth Rogen in the movie The Night Before, which came out in 2015, but I had never heard of it until late 2020. Uh, just randomly found it on Netflix, and I never really entertained it, but my brother and I, I think it was actually in January, like after the New Year's, when uh, we decided to to give it a watch, like why not? You know, it has uh, Seth Greenberg, Joseph Gordon, Seth Rogen, Joseph Gordon Levitt, and um, Anthony Mackie are like the main stars in this film. And basically, Joseph Gordon Levitt's character, his parents passed away just before Christmas, 
20 or 15 years earlier at the time. And these three friends decided that they were going to spend Christmas Eve together every year. And uh, like the real life actor, Seth Rogen's character, Isaac, is Jewish in this film. And I mean, this movie, it's not all that great. It actually got a fittingly 69% on Rotten Tomatoes, which indicates better than terrible but uh i think that the one thing i really enjoy is this character isaac and uh particularly when he does really like a ton of drugs and um he loses his phone and i i don't fully remember exactly like you know where what got him there but he ended up really high in front of a church and he starts talking to the nativity scene and uh the 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 characters are just like having a conversation with him. It's like, yeah, it's my family. It's just like a really funny scene. And then all of a sudden his pregnant wife shows up and she's like trying to get him away because she knows that he's what state of mind he's in. But uh, her, her family sees him, brings him into the church. And it's just like this really funny scene with him, like being not just a Jewish guy, but also like extremely stoned out of his mind and trying to process being in this um, foreign situation for him. So I really enjoyed that. I don't know if this is a movie that I'm going to be going out of my way to watch every single holiday season. I haven't seen it since then, but uh, I did really enjoy this character and I thought it was kind of a good way to start with number five. I had a few characters I was thinking about throwing in here, but I thought it was a unique one compared to some of the others on my list. I've never seen the movie, but I have heard of it or seen trailers of it. And so yeah, I don't know how again, I didn't know it when it came out like back in 2015. But I mean, I think it's it's worth watching if you're into like right. the R rated comedies, especially you know for a Christmas movie. That's what I was going to say is that even though it doesn't look like, you know, a, a, a must watch. Like, oh, I need to watch. It's definitely this movie. not a Christmas classic. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> but. It's probably it, it's something that would pique my interest, uh, mm-hmm. so I I certainly could check that one out. Uh, for my number five, I, I think it's a movie that most have probably seen uh, Christmas wise, and my number five Christmas movie character is Clark Griswold from Christmas Vacation, and it's definitely uh, one of my. I don't think I had it in my top five, but if I were to redo my list, I probably would put it in the top five it's it's uh definitely a definitely a funny movie and clark griswold is definitely a character that that i just feel for in this movie because they're it's probably one of the most frustrating movies i've ever watched does that make any sense or or like i feel for the main character so much that i I think that's that's fair he wants to have the perfect christmas and there's definitely there are definitely a lot of uh moments where it's not going so well uh for for clark griswold where you know, at work, he he wants that Christmas bonus so bad, and I love the I love the scene in the beginning where he's at the office and all these people are walking past him, and he's like, "Yeah, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, kiss my ass, kiss his ass, Happy Hanukkah." <laughs> <laughs> and so he, uh, yeah, he wants that Christmas bonus so bad, and his boss is, wasn't very likable throughout most of the movie, and 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 then he wants to have the you know, perfect Christmas lights uh, when he's trying to <laughs> make everything work. And, and then all of a sudden not everything is working perfectly in terms of uh, getting the lights on. And that scene is, those scenes are definitely enjoyable. I also love the scene when 
you know, he goes sledding. I don't know if you remember that scene where he gets on the sled and all of a sudden he gets, he takes off. (laughs) Uh Uh, That that scene's a classic, but yeah. yeah, So I just, throughout the whole movie, I just, I, I, you, you root for a person like uh, Clark Griswold uh, and definitely a very likable character. So that's, yeah, no, I I agree with that. Uh, Definitely a fun movie. I did consider, getting him onto my list uh, he didn't yeah, end up making I, it i was thought about cousin eddie i know he, yeah so a, that was one of, i was gonna mention him as one of my honorable mentions is cousin eddie yeah <laughs> now i know he he's also a, a fun character in this one so um so my number four it's pretty much as close to a 180 as you can get in terms of the type of movie going from an r-rated movie to one of the uh christmas special tv classics but uh my number four is yukon cornelius who has the second best name of any of the the christmas tv special characters behind just burgermeister meisterberger from santa claus is coming to town but unlike burgermeister meisterberger yukon cornelius is actually a good guy and someone that you root for it doesn't just make you angry watching him and I think he's just like a funny dude in this movie, like very much a comic relief in the great story of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, befriends Rudolph. I mean, in his, his opening scene, he introduced himself as a great prospector of the North and his life goal is just to find silver and gold and doesn't seem like he has a whole lot of luck with it. He's always throwing his uh, pickaxe up in the air and then like licking it. And it's like, ah, nothing. But I, I think that he has some uh, very, very memorable scenes in this one, some funny ones, his uh, interactions with the Bumble, the abominable snowman. Of course, there's a scene where he's uh, trying to get his sled dogs to mush and they won't do it. He's like, oh, I'll show you. This is how you do it. They just hop on the back as he leads the sleigh. So uh, Rudolph Reno's Reindeer, always one of my favorites in terms of those old TV specials of the 60s and 70s and Yukon Cornelius was always a character that really stood out to me so that's why he's able to check in here at my number four who is the character that not Rudolph but he was the he was like the kid the tiny kid he was like oh, I always wanted to be elf? a dent yeah, yeah I always yeah, wanted Hermie to be the a elf. dentist uh-huh. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> he's another fun one. Yeah. He is, yeah. Uh he certainly didn't make my list since I didn't remember his name, but I I don't know. I always thought he was fun. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, uh, I I did think about him as well, but I've always been a Yukon Cornelius guy. Yeah, so like you mentioned where you went from a from a R movie to a to a G movie. I went from what well, not not G, but I went to an R movie uh for my number four. And this one's debatable because, like every other Christmas, you can. It's always the big debate: is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Because my number four is John McClane, and uh, I've. I, it was definitely a debatable question that I didn't have a firm answer on, uh, like whether if I think it was or not. And I, I lean towards yes because I, I just I love the I love the movie. So Die Hard one and two. Remember, he saved Christmas twice. Yes, <laughs> but Die Hard one's easily the best. Uh-huh. And and uh, it's it's a movie that I it's one of my favorites, and I do watch it around Christmas time. So so it takes place on uh, Christmas towards, Eve. So and I and I lean toward yeah. So I lean toward the Christmas. It is a Christmas movie. And another thing is, one time I when I went to a cousin's house for Christmas, uh, I was looking at the the Christmas tree that was set up, and one of the ornaments that was set up was 
John McClane uh, when he's really? when he's uh, in like you know get together like come out for, come out have a few laughs and he's got uh, the lighter on yeah when yep. he's crawling through yep. the the uh, I don't know we call it the it's like the, the top just like there. the vent thing yeah. the vent yeah thank you yeah he was yeah. crawling through the vent he had an ornament that was set up like that and so if you can make a Christmas ornament over it then it's probably a christmas movie Uh and yeah i mean it's an interesting debate whether it's a christmas movie or just a movie that happens to take place on christmas i did consider both him and hans gruber who i think is just like an awesome villain on my list but uh i I think i had another uh honorable mention uh from someone in that movie but yeah i obviously had to pick john mcclain because yeah, again, I mean, one of my favorite he'd, he'd action be the guy movies. You gotta go for uh-huh. right. He's the guy that I obviously have to pick. One of my favorite action movies and one of my favorite action characters in general. So, yeah. uh, if you haven't seen it, I don't know how you haven't. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. It is a great movie. Uh, I did watch it on Christmas night. I think in 2020 with my family. So. Uh, that was more of uh, trying to settle the debate whether or not it's a Christmas movie. Regardless, it's a great movie, so <laughs> I have uh, no issue with you putting him on my on your list. I strongly considered it, but you know, decided to to leave him off. So, uh, my number three is a character played by uh, your favorite actor, Tom Hanks. That is the conductor from Polar Express. I believe I had him on my list of top five favorite Tom Hanks characters, but. Uh, I love Polar Express. I actually haven't watched it in years, but I used to watch it every year with my grandmother and my brother and other cousins at her house, and uh, just a ton of fun, mon- fond memories watching him. Uh, you know, watching this movie, and always was a big fan of the conductor. He had that that watch. I was always looking at it to see, you know, how much time he had before they had to get to the North Pole. Uh, I think it's just a, a great movie, and there are some characters in it that are very annoying like the know-it-all kid and even like the hero boy is like yeah i don't know if i love him but uh, i do really enjoy the conductor i love the hot chocolate scene where you know he gets all like the the wait staff out to make it and everyone's singing and dancing and i I think he's a a very good character at this one tom makes it a really good job at this movie and um yeah he comes at a number three here yeah it's not my favorite tom hanks movie by any means uh or role but but I enjoyed it. I definitely not as much as you, but but I, but I enjoyed Polar Express, uh, and and he played a lot of characters in that movie. Yeah. Oh yeah, it wasn't even just uh-huh. a conductor. He played like seven different people. Yeah, I think the conductor is the one where it's like his real voice is is like the only one. But yeah, he he voices a lot of characters in that one. All right, for my number three, I went with Buddy the Elf played by Will Ferrell and uh, I've made the point that I'm not as big of a Will Ferrell fan as you or Will but this is my favorite Will Ferrell movie <laughs> I know it's mm-hmm. mostly a kids movie compared to his other roles but it's 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 definitely my favorite Will Ferrell movie it's like one of the most quotable movies uh, that I can think of and you know what I like about Buddy is that do you remember near the end of the movie where his brother Michael you know he he find he sees the note that buddy left uh yeah. in at at the house and he and then he shows up at his dad's work and and you know he he tells he tells Walter Hobbs that you know buddy's gone and I like I don't, I'm scared like I don't know what to do and 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 then he he says can we go look for him and then Walter's like not right now or like when i finish this meeting and then 
and Michael gets pissed and he's like, you know, wh- why not? Like, you know, Buddy cares about everybody, all, and, and which is a fact. Like, Buddy. Oh yeah. Uh, that's probably one of the best qualities about Buddy, uh, the elf in this movie, is that even though, yeah, clearly coming from the North Pole and not from New York City whatsoever, but no matter who he interacts with, he's always in a happy mood and always treats people the same and cares about everyone around him. And so that's definitely a, even though he didn't have the, he certainly wasn't the smartest person, you know, didn't have social skills, Uh but just like a very lovable character and someone that again was caring for everyone. So that's why I like buddy a lot. And just again, such a quotable movie, right? Francisco, that's fun to say. And (laughs) Uh, <laughs> and then you smell like beef and cheese you don't smell like santa and then a million other ones yeah i mean it, there's so many from that uh so my my number two is essentially a 1b for me i was back and forth but i i have buddy at number two on my list and i elf is my favorite christmas movie it's my favorite will ferrell movie i agree and i i love will ferrell he's I've been in so many great films but i i do think that elf is my number one and, uh, you know, as there are a lot of other characters in this movie that I thought about throwing on my list. I considered Jovi in the spot. Big fan of Zoe Deschanel. I, I love how her character is like hates Christmas despite having like all these like like she works for a Christmas company and or, you know, store during Christmas time. And like her like singing scene toward the end of the movie, I thought it was like a really cool moment but i mean it's it's hard not to put buddy up here you know rest in peace james con walter hobbs is someone who you know he learns the true meaning of christmas thanks to buddy uh he's just like such a fun character in this like so many laughs in this movie and uh very excited to watch it again this year it's always like a family tradition normally on christmas eve i think we still will do it uh especially given that that Steelers raiders game doesn't look like it's gonna mean a whole lot uh you know for us this year um so i actually got a new christmas sweater this year and it's uh the scene with mr narwhal where he's waving buddy goodbye just says bye buddy hope you find your dad so (laughs) yeah big big elf fan uh this movie and i mean buddy he's the main character he's the star of the show and uh no doubt he was going to be near the top of my list so for my number two it's so you talked about how buddy is like or like elf is your favorite christmas movie uh, Elf is probably my second favorite, or actually third favorite, uh, because <laughs> my two favorites, because they're combined in a, you know, because there are two of them. Uh, my favorite are the Home Alone movies, and so for my number two, it's kind of a cop out because it's two different people, but it's you, you kind of get the gist. It's the the wet bandits, yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> you know, Harry and Marv, played by uh, Joe Pesci and uh, and Daniel Stern. So yeah, those are. Those are definitely great villains, uh, even though they're obviously not the smartest, two of the smartest guys uh, out there. But they, they, they definitely make the movie great uh, in their roles uh, as villains uh, in both Home Alone One and Home Alone Two. And and you know some of my favorite things about those movies are the end where of both Home Alone One and Two, where they try to, you know, they get the kid or they try to get what's in the house well the first one the house but the second one him specifically and just all the mishaps that happened to them throughout the throughout both those movies where like especially marv where he's getting electrocuted and, uh-huh. and staple gun to the face and 
<laughs> and all this paint all over him and then the the iron <laughs> to his face yeah. too uh and and then marv uh not marv but a harry also getting the same thing or a lot of similar things and them just getting tortured throughout the ending of both those movies uh is definitely even though i've seen the movies dozens and dozens of times it never gets old or i still laugh at all the scenes uh near the end of those movies so they make great villains and that's why i have met too yeah for sure i mean they're they're funny villains they're hilarious guys and i mean i have no problem with you grouping them together because it's hard to have one without the other so right not surprised that they not only made your list but were very high up on there so i mentioned earlier my one and two are essentially one a one b uh while elf is my favorite christmas movie it's a Wonderful Life, probably number two, and George Bailey. Uh, you know, I I put him above Buddy just because it's it's hard not to. It's it's kind of similar to um, top five lawyers when I put Atticus Finch at number one. Now this is a case where I think you can make a very strong argument to still put Buddy above George Bailey, but George, you you see him at the top of like every Christmas movie character list out there, and he's just an incredible character. I mean, James Stewart is iconic actor. I know he's played a ton of great roles in the thirties and forties and probably into the fifties, but George Bailey stands out uh, among the rest because he's just a, like, it's a, it's an awesome story. Uh, you know, it's a wonderful life about this you know, guy who works for a building alone and kind of like buddy, he cares about everyone else in his community of Bedford Falls, New York, and uh, the ultimate rival to the evil villain, Mr. Potter. And I just think it, it's uh, really interesting seeing how George's life got to the point where he is when he needs a guardian angel to save him. And then going through the story of what, bedford falls and like all these other people's lives would be like without him just a really heartwarming christmas story one that stands the test of time even being from 1946 there aren't a whole lot of uh movies from that era especially black and white ones that i really enjoy but this is up there uh for sure and george bailey i think it's it's hard for me not to put him at the the top of my favorite christmas movie characters list yeah, so George Bailey was an honorable mention for me. Uh, so, so that tells you that he's not my number one. But I think our number ones are are arguably the two most iconic Christmas uh, characters. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's, that's fair to say. They're probably they probably are one A and one B. Uh, yours is probably a better person, <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, but I do I do think uh, for my number one, it's definitely. My favorite character, and that's Kevin McAllister, and also the Home Alone one and Home Alone two movies. Uh, definitely, definitely, my opinion, most iconic character or most iconic Christmas character uh, who has to, you know, step up to the plate, being left home alone <laughs> by his family. First of all, how do you, yeah. how do you get ditched by your own family I, twice? Just, <laughs> what, yeah. What's funny is that they make it believable in both movies, where they, you know they forget him because he's sleeping in the attic in the the first movie but in the second movie he you know they 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 accidentally miss him at the airport because he sees another guy in a dark coat uh going the other way and so they make it believable but at the same time it's like wow his family must hate him uh, if they if they legitimately don't know where he is or don't know that he's not with them for several several hours or until they get to their their destination uh so yeah so yeah, it's it was it was great. Uh, it's great watching those movies, and 
Kevin obviously makes makes it great being the main character. But you know, I love not only the traps that he makes, uh, you know, against the, the you know the wet bandits, the burglars, but I also loved when, you know, he also remember remember the gangster movie in Home Alone, uh, Angels with Filthy Souls, and he turns on yeah, the yeah he turns on uh-huh. the TV when the pizza guy shows up, and he's like, like. Leave, leave it on the doorstep and get the hell out of here. And he's like, <laughs> I was like, well, what about the money? What money? Well, you have to pay for your pizza, sir. Oh, uh, how much do I owe you? Uh, eleven eighty. And then he tosses twelve dollars under the doggy door. And he's like, keep the change, you filthy animal. And then, <laughs> and then he, and then I was like, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna give you the count of ten to get your ugly yellow, what you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden, he starts shooting and. So I love when he messes with the pizza guy in the first movie, and then I love how he messes with the hotel uh, employees in the second one with the similar movie as well, if you remember those scenes. Mm-hmm. So those were great too, uh, along with the you know, the booby traps he makes uh, with the wet bandits. So yeah, great character, and I'll, I'll probably still watch it again uh, as Christmas approaches. Yeah, I mean, you have to. I know Home Alone is like one of your favorites. I haven't seen it in years. I think it's overdue oh, for me at this point. I know. Too. Well, it's like, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely could have uh, put, you know, either of them. I'd probably lean more toward Harry and Marv making my top five than Kevin. But, I mean, partially just like I, I really like Joe Pesci. So that that's kind of a, a thing for me. But uh, when I, it was really a, no doubt that you were going to have them near the top of your list. And I thought I'd... Uh, take the, the time fact that the two movies, I felt like I needed to put multiple characters as well. Yeah, no, and that's totally fair. Like I said, I consider putting other characters from Elf. I decide just to go with you know the the star, but uh, it, it was it was certainly a strong consideration for me. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I thought that was a fun one. Uh, I I definitely enjoy getting in the holiday spirit with some of these movies, and I. Uh, there, there's some on there that I'm like, I know I'm going to watch. Others that I'm like, yeah, I think I need to to watch these sometime in the the next couple of weeks before Christmas. So I'll probably watch the one. What was your so number five again? What what was the name of that? Movie? Yeah, it was um the night before. So I think right, it's okay. still like, on Netflix. Like, that was how mm-hmm. I watched it two years ago. So that, that's probably one I'll check out. I remember remember the time when we went to the movie theaters with yeah, about like half dozen Christmas people. We watched party. Office Christmas Party. <laughs> yeah. I was I not, was a fan of it. It was <laughs> see I I wasn't really <laughs> but at the same time it's like I thought it was it was it's worth watching because the, oh, the yeah. idea of an uh-huh. office Christmas party rated R movie Just, it's basically like a uh an office yeah, Jason project Bateman X. is a <laughs> yeah I know like they it has like a star-studded cast a lot of SNL characters. And Jimmy Butler's um, in the movie. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Uh I I Jennifer Aniston's in it so Yeah. Um yeah, no, I I did really enjoy that one. I considered maybe throwing a character on that um, in here as well, but I I was like, no, Isaac Greenberg from the night before is above anyone else. So yeah, I I so would I'll, recommend I'll, it to you. Is it, okay, so it's just that Office Christmas Party was a movie that I only need to watch that movie once, and it was there were funny moments. <laughs> I've seen in it that three movie. times. So yeah, there were funny moments in that movie, but I didn't, uh-huh. all of it, I. I, I I don't need to see that movie again, but uh, so the night before, I would tune into to see if, how it goes. 
Yeah, I mean it, it's it's a fun one. There's some good one, good moments in it. Uh, you know, I didn't want to get too much detail uh, with you know the, the scenes that really stand out, but uh, there there's certainly some funny ones in that one. So I would say so. Honor- other honorable mentions. Movies, uh, other mm-hmm. honorable mentions I had, like I said, George Bailey, and then yeah, Walter Hobbs, and then another one was uh, Sergeant Powell <laughs> in uh, Die Hard. Oh, I, yep. I, fe- I feel like uh, even though. John McClane, he saves Christmas. I don't think, who knows if he would have been able to make it out without the support of Sergeant Powell, Al Powell. Yeah, and, uh, no, and that's... And Die yeah. Hard. And I love how they never see each other until the very end of the movie. And even though they True, never see each yeah. other, they know uh, it's they know that it's them or they know yeah. that it's, that's who they were talking to and they give out a big hug at the end. It's like, wow, like uh-huh. brings a tear to your eye seeing that. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, um, I I guess like the I thought about either Gonzo or Scrooge from the the Muppet Christmas Carol. Uh, they actually celebrated its thirtieth anniversary the other day, but it doesn't hold the same place in my heart as it does for a lot of others our age. So did not make it for me. But yeah, I mean there there are plenty of famous movie characters that are out there. I think Ralphie from A Christmas Story is the, the biggest miss on here that others have put up there. I, I I don't know. I'm back and forth on whether or not I really like A Christmas Story or if I just, I don't know. I almost I've feel like he's a little it. annoying. I, I haven't seen enough of it to have a, a really strong It's opinion. iconic. I've, I've seen sure. some of it. Yeah. And it's just like, I don't think this would interest me. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that there are a lot better Christmas classics out there than that one. That's good to know. Yeah. So anyway, that'll wrap this one up. And with that, I believe it's going to be our second to last episode of 2022 with just one more coming up next week. We'll look back on a great year, uh, particularly in sports. So certainly a lot to talk about there. And uh, yeah, obviously more NFL as uh, week 15 plays out. So for my co-host, Brian Wells, I'm Corey Devontae. Thanks, everyone.